I'm taking a little bit of time, which my wife is always saying, honey, you took too much time. But once I get up here, I love it here. Getting up here is the hard part. But diving in from chapter 11 into the rest of Revelation is a bit scary. How many of you have ever been on a high dive, diving board? I tried it in high school, and I, I forget how many meters that was. And I was supposed to do a couple of twists and twirls before I hit splat right on the, on the surface of the water. But it is scary. And so I'm in that kind of position right now. I'm like I'm on the high dive, say it's even, say, four or five meters. And you're doing a flip, and hopefully you'll go into the water so that you don't do a belly flop. The last two weeks, I preached on chapter 11, and last week I preached on verse 19, and this week I'm going to preach on verse 19 again, because I really didn't get it all in. And that is not a very complicated verse. Let's read our portion that we always read and remind ourselves of why we are reading and studying and looking at Revelation. Read this with me together. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. We want to remind ourselves of that. And then I'm going to read chapter 11 again. Verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who rever your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. We're looking at the theme or the concept of reigning and resting. And what that has to do with the book of Revelation. Let me just prepare us. If we continue, if the Lord allows us to continue in the next weeks, to go through 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, we are going to get into some very ugly, scary situations and descriptions. And it should shake us all. It should really shake those who don't know Jesus Christ, but for those who do know him and know the love that he has stretched his hand out and poured on us. It even puts fear in our hearts. 
But we come to him in reverence and an understanding that he cares for his own, regardless of what is happening around us. Worldwide disaster. Just what was described in verse 19 of the thunder and the lightning and, and all of that. That isn't anything compared to what we're going to get into in describing how furious, how wrathful is the war between those people and demons and Satan himself is angry and wrathful and raging and coming after God's people. He hates us. You know, you, all you have to do is read some accounts where some very famous people with making lots of money have basically sold their souls to the one who hates them the most. Quite a few of those people are dead today. Why? Because they never found happiness and fulfillment. They either killed themselves or they drugged themselves. So, so sad. But they've sold themselves to a slave owner that hates humanity. And that's Satan himself. And we see this on our news every day. There's a famous person who has hung themselves, drugged themselves, killed themselves. That shows you how hateful Satan is. But on the other hand, these next chapters that we're going into are showing us how forbearing, which means caring and waiting for people to come and repent and give themselves to the Lamb of God who died for them to give them eternal life. And yes, there are famous people and there's little people like you and I who have come to that place to know the Lamb, the Lamb of God who gave himself for us that we might have life, that we might have peace, that we might be included in his family. And that's the gospel of these chapters. And so what I'd like to do is prepare us in this chapter. We talked last week about the ark. The ark was a, a box that God instructed Moses to build. There were certain dimensions of it, equal dimensions. And it was wood clad with gold. But the top of it was a very special lid or covering called the mercy seat. That is a seat or a chair or a resting place. For who? Well, basically the objective is us. But the one who takes that seat is the one who is the all-worthy one, the God of heaven, Father God, Papa, Chichi, Tenno Tosama. He's the one who sits on the mercy seat. And what is he doing there? He created the whole earth. He created the universe. 
What is he doing sitting, resting on the mercy seat? That's his presence. He's the one who has accomplished for us all salvation for every one of us. And he accomplished that through his son, the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior. And so he's done his work. He's finished his work. You know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, what was the last thing he said? It is finished. It's done. It's complete. And so, what is he talking about? That he has died? Yes, but that whole finishing came not just in his death, but three days in hell. How would you like to spend three days in hell, in death? And then God raised him from the dead. We are going to be celebrating that. We actually celebrate it not just once a year. We celebrate it every week. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do. Yes, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ right now here. This is Sunday. What is Sunday? Resurrection Day. What was the Sabbath for the old law? It was Saturday. From Friday night, sundown, to sundown on Saturday was the Sabbath. God had given that as a special time for the people of God to acknowledge him as their leader and their God. They were not to do any work. They were to cease from their work. And then on Sunday of resurrection morning that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, came out of Saturday and Jesus Christ was raised up from the dead as glorified and showed himself to his disciples. And the work was complete. And Jesus then ascended to the Father. And it says then, the Father sat down. Where did he sit? Where did God sit? On the mercy seat, which he had been sitting on or had been preparing during all those centuries, actually, of the blood being spilt on that mercy seat, the blood, the blood of the lamb, the blood of the slain animals for us, for our sin, so that we would be joined to him. That's the mercy seat made of solid gold and the cherubim with their wings tip to tip and God was what? He was at rest. That's what God did for us after creating the world, after sending the prophets and giving us the law and showing us how to approach a holy God. He sat down and rested until the day in which every believer will be raised up and will be together in God's heaven. That is what fills our hearts. 
Sabbath and Resurrection Day. Setting ourselves aside for His use and His pleasure and His glory. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's the message. And coming to that and putting your faith in God's work of salvation for us as men, women, and children. That's the way to God. That ark is not to be worshipped. Many of the Israelites worshipped that. That wasn't the intention. The intention was to, to worship the living God and not an object. That's why they could not make images, but they worshipped the law, the ark, the utensils of the temple, and missed the point. It was God himself that the people should turn their eyes to and be in love with him because he loved us and gave us his son, Jesus, for our redemption, for our cleansing, for us to be able to praise adequately. Reigning and resting. The first point then, the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. Matthew 6, 9 to 13, Jesus talks about the kingdom. And in that, his disciples had asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, pray then in this manner or this way. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You give us this day our daily bread, and you forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And you do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you notice anything different in that Lord's Prayer? What do you notice? Okay, normally those last three verses, we say, give us this day our daily bread. Do we need to say, do we need to beg? Do we need to appeal to God? I think, and Katie and I agree on this, that asking God or begging God for daily bread is not what he wants us to do. He wants us to have faith that he has said that he would provide for us. And so it's, you give us our daily bread. It's an acknowledgement that he's our provider. And we don't have to beg him for our daily provision. You look at the flowers, Jesus said. You looked at the fields. God's the one that clothes the fields. And he will clothe us. And he will provide for us. We don't have to beg our Father. You forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Yes, we're walking in the rhythm and the heart of our Lord God. We don't have to beg him for forgiveness. 
We just have to walk out that forgiveness in a daily living in Christ. Somebody slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. God will protect us. Well, what about all the Christians that are in prison right now throughout the world? And there are many. God is aware of that. And they don't need to beg to be delivered. They stand in the righteousness of God and what he's already provided for them. I challenge you to read Richard Warmbrand, W-U-R-M-B-R-A-N-D. Incredible story. He was a Romanian pastor. We heard him in person, Katie and I did. Incredibly humble, but powerful man of testimony for the Lord. I would love to be as humble as Richard Rundbrand, to suffer. But maybe some of you are suffering right now. You don't need to beg. You just say, you deliver me from evil. I stand in your provision. And you do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you know why he doesn't lead us into temptation? Because Jesus has already been led into temptation. And he's the one that delivers us and can deliver us from temptation. So we say, you deliver us from temptation. So when you are being tempted, what do we do? Thank you, Lord, for not leading me into temptation. Thank you for your power, power of your word and your Holy Spirit to be able to stand against this temptation. That's the position we're in, not as beggars, but as receivers of the one who loved us the most. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And my second point is, you have begun to reign. That's what the uh, 24 elders that fell down and said, we give thanks to you, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. Here is a testimony of a man who had the whole world in his hand, the known world. And he went out on his porch and he said, look at this kingdom that I have built. And that man became like a hairy animal, like a beast, and went out in the field and he became less than a human being for a season. And then when he came to the place that he recognized he was not the hottest thing on earth. He was a human being like the rest of us. He had been humbled. Do you know what his name was? Nebuchadnezzar. Anybody with a name like that? It seemed good to me, he says, to declare the signs and wonders which the most high God has done for me. This was the proudest man on earth at the time. And he gives praise 
for the signs and wonders of the Most High God. How great are your signs and how mighty are your wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar. Do you think he's in heaven? I think so. I'd like to meet him. That is an incredible testimony. You have begun to reign. The time is now to reward your saints in verse 18. And the time to reward your bound servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great has come. The small and the great. Who are we? What are we becoming? What is God doing in our lives? We're facing some things here at MCC that I think will make a huge difference in our understanding of what MCC is about. We're just a group of ordinary people, but God has chosen us to be responsible and to be acknowledging his spiritual work in this place. And some of you have been serving in places of service. Your service is not to me as the pastor or to any of the leaders here. In fact, he says, don't call yourself a leader. What we're going to do after this service, by the way, I'm just giving you a heads up because we're going to announce in just a few minutes that we're going to have a business meeting here in this place. And we'd like as many of you to stay as possible, whether you're a member or not a member of this church. We are having a sense that, yes, the Lord has carried this congregation on for almost 40 years. Katie and I knew the founding pastor, Andrew Furiyama. Great pastor. I feel humbled to be able to be a pastor here of this church. But, you know, the enemy has tried to tear and rip MCC apart several times. But he's put us here and anchored us here to be a people of God, a peculiar people. And we are, yeah, if, as I look around here, we are a peculiar people. God has called us to be a peculiar people, a particular people, a set-aside people for himself. And so we're having a business meeting and we're suggesting some things that would help us move along so that we understand that we are not a business or a corporation or the owners of a big building on Kichijoji Dodi. We are the people of God who are called out. We are a spiritual body. We are the church in this spot. Now, just down the street, there's another church and they are also the people of God. So we're not saying, well, we're MCC. You know, that is the sign of failure when we come to that point. We are simply following Jesus in this place. And we thank the Lord for the heritage that we have, but we don't want to miss the 
prize because we're so infatuated with ourselves. But in the business meeting, we want to begin to understand the gifts that God has given, spiritual gifts he has given in this body. And like I say, we're not a business. We're not a corporation, although we do have corporate status. We have registered ourselves with the government, and they have in turn given us permission to be a corporation. Big deal. Well, it is a big deal here in Japan to be recognized. But that does not tell us who we are. We're not just a corporation, a religious organization in Japan. We are Christ's ambassadors, his people in this place. That is our calling. That is our purpose. And so in this meeting, I'm sharing what this incremental change is to bring us to a place where the pastor is not the head of the church. In Japan, many religious organizations go by who the priest is, who the pastor is. That's not what identifies us. We have the same thing in America. People go to so-and-so's church because he's famous. And there's lots of people following him. No, we're not following a man or an organization. We're following Jesus Christ, our shepherd. And that's what we want to instill in all of us, this sense of we belong to Jesus and we belong to the body of Christ. And that is what this cosmic war is about in Revelation, is about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan and his demons. That's what it's about. It's not really about you and I, but we are his representatives here. And we need to be accurately displaying who he is and what we have been called to. Matthew 23 says, Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Again, the mercy seat. A place of rest. And Jesus is seated in heaven alongside the Father, waiting. And we are acting out. We are fulfilling the purpose of his death and his resurrection. And there's a song that Katie and I have sung for years. It's taken from Psalm 132. And let's uh, close with this song. desired it for his habitation 
I will abundantly bless her provision and satisfy her poor with bread. I will clothe her priest with salvation and all her saints shall shout aloud for joy. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. I will abundantly bless her provision and satisfy her poor with bread. I will clothe her priests with salvation and all her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Is that the first time for you to hear that? Really? Let's sing it one more time. Why don't we stand? This is the Lord's word. This mm -hmm. is his declaration. This is my rest Father, we just thank you that you receive our praise and our adoration and our love for your body, for your kingdom, for your dwelling with us. And for this week that is ahead of us, we've started on a right foot in following you. Mm. And so I just commit my brothers and sisters to you for this week ahead, that we would walk in a, a way which would honor you and honor your name. And as we gather again next week, your will being done, we will have accomplished what you have designed for us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.